0: Welcome back, everyone, to R2Cast number 103. It's all quite exciting that we're now in three figures. You'll notice there is two of us and a clock. Oh, there's a good rhyme there: a clock and two. No, 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 that's fine. Right. <laughs> <laughs> don't try. Don't try.
1: Don't try. <laughs> We've
0: just started this new series, and I'm already oh. ruining it. Uh... <laughs> We've given you a bit of a hint. For those of you that haven't watched number 100, go back and check it out and you'll meet him. You have no idea who he is at the minute, probably. Uh, or you maybe know him because he's very famous in these parts down in Dumfries. Um, but this is the new R2Cast All In podcast where I sort of felt we'd sort of reached this, what would you call it, glass ceiling with food and farming. Still going to keep going. Still going to be doing six of them a month and um, meeting as many folk in that sector as we can. But I wanted to open it up and try and get some basically anyone on the podcast uh, so today Ed and I have brought on a, a professional footballer who I'll introduce to you now Jack uh, would you like to say hello first off hello guys thanks for having me no problem thank you for being our what's the there's a fancy word for first thing isn't it it's in in and no no that's not inaugurals, not that is it anyway there, you're, you're by me no. I'm just going to try to be too fancy here. yeah <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for being our first guest Jack and straight in before we ask you any questions about you or things that matter um, we've decided to have someone basically say anything. Right, wait, let's try and explain this better. The first episode happens, they're going to say something, a question or whatever to the next guest. And what I said, because I was the guest on the first one, was, have you got a random talent? So that's what we're going to pass that to you. Any random, random
1: talent? Random talent? Um. I don't know, I can move my ears without using my hands, but it's probably about... Oh, you've know, got to see that, we've got to see that. Nah, mate, my ears are massive, there'll be a gust of wind somewhere, so I can't be doing it.
0: Oh, that was going to be great for getting folk onto YouTube, away from Spotify.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Guest flies away. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, eh, nah, good stuff, but tell us, tell us a bit about who you are, Jack. Tell us about your background, who you were when you were younger, what... Was was, um, was there always aspirations to be in
1: sport? Um, no, nah, a bit about me. I'm from all over the place, man. As, as you know, I was born in Scotland, uh, moved to New Zealand when I was just a baby, moved to Australia when I was 11 and then came back over to the UK when I was 21. Um, and yeah, for me, I've been playing sport my whole life. I um, started playing football uh, at school in New Zealand with about five or six of my friends. Um, and, and that was the only the only boys that was playing football really everyone else had a rugby ball in your hand so yeah growing up there played rugby played football um bit of judo as well through mom and then yeah just stuck with it my whole life really
0: well we'll come to judo in a, a minute because you've said a bit of judo but it was a wee bit more than that from, from what, <laughs> you know, but uh, I'm sure there's someone here that's going to ask why you chose the sport you did
2: no, oh, no. Nah, nah, let's not get too much into it. But um, no, I, I just, um, so what kind of, obviously, if you are um, doing a bit of judo, rugby and football, what kind of
1: made you go down the football route? Um, The competition stuff of all three. I love playing rugby games. I love playing football games. I loved competition days at judo. But for me, I was always the most excited or drawn to going to football training like with rugby training I'd just go and like mess about with my mates judo the same I didn't really take training too seriously but whenever I had spare time I'd have the football out the front yard or I always got super excited to go to football training so I guess deep down I knew that I always wanted to play football um dad said I was better at rugby than I was at football mom said I was better at judo than I was at football but they knew that football was what I wanted to do and they they supported me with that choice so yeah for me it was always going to be football so
0: when you said that, was your old man was he involved in rugby before?
1: Yeah, yeah. So he um, he played rugby all, all his life growing up. Uh, he played for the England schoolboys, I think, as well. So dad was definitely a, a rugby man. And obviously, growing up in New Zealand, if you don't play rugby, you've not really got any friends. So you sort of have <laughs> to uh, have to pick up a rugby ball at some stage.
0: Is it just like part of the curriculum rugby in New Zealand? Is it- um,
1: it, it's it's just the culture. It's not not really taught at school, but it's time and at break time you're playing rugby um everyone's playing rugby after school so and then obviously there's there's such a how how big and important um the all blacks are out there yeah it's it's just part of the culture really it's definitely you know, a rugby driven culture
0: so i'd mentioned about judo and said to come to it in a minute um for those of you listening I'm, tra- I'm just trying to remember the exact relationship jack and i are related is it our mums or cousins second cousins first cousin mums or Mums are cousins. If your mum's
1: a you're the second cousins. Yeah, so we're gra- saying- grand, grand. Grands are sisters, aren't they? Yeah, so that yeah, means- it's a mumsy cousins. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, wait. No, is it not our grandpas or brothers?
1: Our grands are sister-in-laws then. Yeah.
0: Yes, I mean we're not here to do it. Um, we are related
1: somehow. Yeah, <laughs> some relation. Some relation.
0: And uh, I was always aware of mum would say there was a relation doing sporty things on an international scene because mum knows nothing about sport. Uh, And that was obviously your mum. So uh, tell us about judo. It wasn't just sort of a a flash in the pan type idea. There was a reason you were involved in judo. And I know you were pretty humble, but I'm going to push you to admit that you were pretty good at it as well.
1: Um, Yeah, so I I started doing judo at the age of three. It was the first sport I actually started doing. um, And that's because I jumped on uh, the mat with mum. Mum is an Olympian. She represented New Zealand at the Sydney Olympics. She did judo her whole life. So in terms of judo, mum was right up there. I think um, she plays quite high at the Olympics as well. So yeah, growing up, I always seemed to be good at judo. Uh, Like I said before, I didn't really take training too seriously, but when there was a big competition coming around, I maybe trained for a couple of weeks and then then went down to the competition. Um, And yeah, I was okay. I won. Uh, I was the Australian national champion a few times uh, at at youth level, and like I said before, Mum said I was probably better at at judo than I was at football. Um, so it's, you know, anything could have happened if I tried to stick down that route. But um, career-wise, and and I guess financially wise as well, I think I've made the right choice. I think there's a lot more a lot more money in in football than there is in judo. I mean, that's definitely
0: a point. I mean, we're yeah. probably not going to get into <laughs> the money side of things, but like, yeah, I mean, it's probably the sport that's created a business future for its for
2: its athletes you know it's, it's, it's yeah 100% it's, it's, it's rugby then. rugby not great right not great nah um, yeah. if you went down the rugby route unless you were like international level like you wouldn't make the same amount of money yeah,
1: that you would yeah. it's the same as judo unless you're the best of the best with all these sponsorships and brand deals and anything you you can't really make a living you're going to need a job on on the side of it whereas you know football to me it's my whole life and my whole career so yeah
0: I love I love speaking to football like you Jack I mean like I would say to someone you know if I'd managed to to jump up three stairs on a rung of stairs <coughs> I'd done that twice and you're like oh yeah I just won the Australian National Championships for judo <laughs> as a kid <laughs> twice but uh, t- tell us about judo what is judo well I'd like if got it's a martial art but what's the rules
1: yeah so everyone has such a misconception about judo they always say like i'm gonna judo chop you or i'm gonna judo punch you but there's no (laughs) punching or yeah there's no punching kicking or or chopping in judo judo is all uh all grappling um submissions takedowns and, and the whole aim of it is to throw your partner flat on their back hold them down for a certain amount of time or make them tap out and those are those are the three ways that you're gonna win so yeah, it's um, it's a massive self-defence sport as well. And it teaches you, like like all martial arts, really, it teaches you about discipline, teaches you how to look after yourself in certain situations. Hopefully you never have to use it in real life, but it's always nice to have that in the back pocket if something did go down that you can sort of look after yourself a little bit. I'm sure playing yeah. football in England, that helps. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, some big boys over here, so yeah, <laughs> they <it's definitely laughs> help me look after myself a little bit.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. So, um. Judo's sort of been around and uh, so has rugby. Um, was, there, was there a point in your, your sort of life, Jack, that you were like, no, wait a minute, this is more than just, more than just a game. It's, it's somewhere I can potentially make a living.
1: Yes. Um, the first time, I always thought in my head, you know, it was the only thing I ever wanted to do. People ask like, what you want to do if football doesn't work? And for me, that was never an option. Uh, it sounds so cliche, but for some reason, I always thought, like, I can do this. Um, and there was a stage, I was 13, I got called up to the um, the Australian under 13's team as like part of a training group, and I thought, okay, if I'm getting identified as one of the best players in the country here, this might be something that I can do. So when I was 14, I stopped rugby because my football training was just getting, you know, I was training four or five days a week. I was still keeping hold of judo because I still love judo um and then at the age of 15 I thought um there's an opportunity here for me to move away from home to go and live on the other side of the country and and earn a scholarship to basically get taught how to be a professional footballer and only 10 of those scholarships each year get offered to, to kids around Australia so at that stage I made the decision to stop football as well and just just give it my all and then yeah I was I was called up to the Australian under 17s at the same time as getting offered the scholarship to to move away from home, and then yeah, at that point it was absolutely, um, I'm on the right track here, and and I could um, I could I could make this uh, a career.
0: So in New Zealand, you you like you mentioned that rugby was the main one. Um, I assume rugby and cricket are above.
1: Do they call it football or
0: soccer in Australia?
1: Uh yeah. no, it's it's soccer. Both Australia's getting a bit better at calling it football, but it's definitely <coughs> um still soccer out there. Uh, I don't know about cricket in in New Zealand. Definitely rugby, but when I moved to Australia, I was eleven, eleven or twelve, and you've got um rugby union, rugby league, Aussie rules, cricket, football. So there's five sports vying to be the national sport of, of the country. And, and compared to over here where the football is on the back 15 pages of the newspaper, out there yeah. you might get a little column somewhere near the back of of something going on at football at the time. So, yeah, it was um, – I, I definitely wouldn't have been able to to get where I am today as well without moving to Australia because in terms of youth development and stuff, the coaches that I had access to in Australia was, was light years ahead of um, New Zealand as well.
0: And what, what's the... I'm, I'm maybe out myself here. Maybe this is one both of you know.
1: What, what is Aussie rules? How does it work? Oh, it's, it's carnage, mate. Honestly, it's like <laughs> fighting with, with a ball. It's ridiculous. It, it's mix You watch Gaelic football?
0: Oh, so it's like Gaelic football?
1: Yeah, yeah. It's very similar. Football, but with a, a rugby ball, basically. So, so would you say that
2: that's Australia's number one sport?
1: Um. Yeah, they they think it's a world sport in Australia, but it's only Australia that plays it. Um, Aussie. Yeah, Aussie, <laughs> uh, yeah, Aussie rules is is um it's everywhere out there. It's it's definitely um right up there in terms of the the most followed and most um watched sport.
0: It's yeah, no, it's not one I know about at all. I've heard about it, but never. And I'm actually you know this is probably more a question for Ed than you than you Jack. But what's the difference between rugby union and rugby league? Uh, the simplest way is that there's no rucks in rugby league well that's pointless because I don't know what a ruck is
1: no pylons difference.
0: Yeah. <laughs> the difference between a ruck and a mall is what
1: oh, let's not get into it <laughs> <a lot> of- <laughs> yeah no i
0: uh, basically for the last I don't know how long have you and I known each other, but a year or something year, like that. Yeah, yeah. It's basically just been talking about young farmers and him trying to explain rugby, and it just can't <laughs> get it, <like>. <laughs> <laughs> it. just does
2: not go in. You, yeah, you don't appreciate how many rules there is in, until you actually to try to explain them all to somebody. And you're yeah.
1: like, football is a lot simpler. Yeah. It seems most like possible. such a simple game, and then you try and get into all the nitty-gritty, and it's really, it's, there's a lot going on, yeah.
2: Yeah, like the most complicated rule <laughs> in football is the offside rule, and that's yeah. the learning to learn in rugby. Like... <laughs> Do you think there's an issue with that for getting folk, folk into rugby? Absolutely. That's the main problem, I think, to be honest, for getting folk into it. Like yeah. when you look at... Even
1: the- even now when I'm watching rugby games, the ref will blow his whistle and I'm like, what the hell was that for? But like, even still, like to this point, I played rugby my whole life and there's still things that I'm not really yeah. understanding.
2: And unless you're like following it all the time, following the law changes, like the change of yeah, life, just it's confusing. And it stops people getting engaged. Like how are you meant to be a casual follower of it if you can't understand yeah. That's very true,
0: involved. yeah, very true. I only really get excited when I run for a try at the last minute, which actually really gets me involved, even, yeah. but yeah, same.
1: Yeah.
0: You, you mentioned, Jack, about sort of a, the, you called up for the under-17s at the same time as the scholarship. Was that not around the time you had a pretty big injury? Or was that um
1: Yeah, so I, I got to tour with the Aussie under-17s, um, went to some really cool countries, played in the World Cup qualifiers, and then went back to um, play and carry on with school uh, at the scholarship. Played four or five games um, at the start of the season and then, yeah, did my, um, tore my cruciate ligament for the first time. So that was a big, a big shock to the system.
0: So for the first time, what was next? How many times? What was a lot of rehab involved there, I assume?
1: Probably yeah. a, a thought of, shit, is this going to happen? Yeah, no, it was, um, it was definitely... Uh, a big culture shock like I said I was I was living away from home and didn't have the home comforts to help me through it obviously I had access to the best facilities in the country though which is absolutely incredible and also grateful to use all that stuff so I rehabbed for I had surgery rehabbed for eight and a half months um, and was back training with the Perth Glory First team and it went again so I, I tore my eyes the same ACL again and I thought oh, I hadn't even got back playing games yet I was still only just training so I had to go back, have another surgery, um, did rehab there for, again, I think I rehabbed that one for 14 months uh, and then finally got back on the pitch. Uh, by this point, I'd moved back home, played for four or five months and then did it again. So 16, 17 and 19, three cruciate ligaments. Missed out on three years of of crucial, crucial development from the age of Of 16 to that to to 20 basically three or four years of 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 where you do such such massive learning you get integrated into men's football you really learn your street smarts in football and all that time I was basically in the gym and watching so that was tough and that really did make me realize that there is there is absolutely nothing that I want to be doing than playing football so now and it's it's definitely given me a, a lot better appreciation of what I get to do. Uh, cre- credit to you
2: for being able to go through them years like them like the biggest development years and still being able to make it um so so when you're going through that when you were away from home like how did you deal with that mentally like that must have been really tough not being able to do what you loved playing football and you're just needing to be in the gym and rehabbing all the time
1: yeah no it was really tough especially because that was the whole reason why i left home i was 16 Mom was still cooking me chicken nuggets and chips at home and doing all my washing and everything like mum and dad did absolutely everything for me and then to to move to the other side of the country uh we were living with a host family so I I, I had a I was really lucky I had a really really good host family that um I, I was I was like a, another son to them and I lived with a couple other boys but yeah mentally it was so tough because like I said that was the whole reason I moved away from home and then I was the only one that didn't get to join in you know the, the boys went on tour to Holland uh, I had to stay in stay in the gym and rehab. So it, it was tough to get through. Um, and if I didn't have those facilities there, I'm not quite sure if I would have been able to do it, to be fair. Was your was your host
0: family making good chicken nuggets and chips?
1: Oh, even better, mate. I got upgraded I was
0: chicken tenders by that point, I think. oh Someone's loving well. Someone's loving well. That's, that's tough, though. I mean, like, you know, you're, you're at the stage, you're like, right, like you said, you're being put forward as... as some of the best in the country at your sport, and then three times in that extremely important four years, you're you've got this massive physical and mental knock, and then missing out on. You could almost look at Holland as like the home of of you know elite football tactics. You know, looking at you know total football and that sort of thing. That must have been hard. And and was was there times through this you're thinking like, maybe I was the best at whatever? Were you? I, I know you sort of play left back, centre back now. Was that always the case, or? Was that not uh,
1: at the time, yeah, I was playing centre-back at the time in Australia because I was one of the big ones and I thought I was big and then I came over here and quickly realized not not a big guy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that that hit of, well, I'm, I'm one of the best in this position at this sport and then were you seeing people that maybe weren't as good as you or maybe on par with you sort of just going ahead and, and going further than yourself?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, there were boys that I was in competition with that during that whole time that I was injured were signing uh, professional deals, um, signing their first professional deals, going on to an actual really decent wage, being able to play professional football and, and live the dream that I had had basically since I was a kid. So that was tough to see. Um, selfishly, I thought, you know, that, that should have been me. Uh, not to say that they weren't good players because they were really good players, and to be fair, those those same boys are still playing professionally. But at the same time, it was like uh, I should be doing that as well.
0: And, and what what did you do for money in that position? Because you, you're you're one of them was at 19. You're at the stage you're starting <coughs> to have to have money around. It's not just living off mum and dad and stuff. What, what were you doing there?
1: Yeah, so when I was in in Canberra, I was still in high school. Um, we had everything paid for us: our our food, our board. Um, education absolutely everything mum just sent me 50 dollars a week just to get myself a little macas every now and again or whatever i wanted um and then when i came home yeah i started uni because i was my third cruciate ligament and even though i still believed that i could make it have your third cruciate ligament you're starting to think i i need a backup plan at this stage so I was going through university and I was a part-time and I was working part-time in like the Australian equivalent of JD sports, which is like platypus. It's like a shoe shop. To be fair, it was a really fun job. The music was good and I was just walking about selling shoes and it was like really casual. I was, I was enjoying it, but it was nothing compared to what I wanted to be doing. So yeah, I was training football basically full-time, studying at uni part-time and working a couple shifts in the shoe shop every now and again. What, what was uni? What, what were you doing at uni? I was studying sports science. I absolutely hated it. Uh, I thought I would like it. I was good at sport and I was good at science. And I thought, this is genius. I'll just combine the two and it'll be class. (laughs) Got halfway through it and I was miserable. I I was not enjoying it one bit. The whole time in my head, I was thinking, if I just finish this, I can add on an education diploma and go and be a teacher with it or you know, maybe try and be a physio or something. But it was never something that I absolutely had my heart set on. And even now, if I was to go back to uni, I probably wouldn't do anything Sport or science related, it was just a case of I need to be doing something. It's, that's quite an
0: interesting thing. We'll maybe get into it maybe later on in the podcast. It's like it's a short career, you know, you're not doing this. To yeah. Yourself. Um, yeah, what's next is always a big question, which we'll probably get into later. Uh, so the ACL injury at 19. You get over that rehab works. Bearing in mind you're only 26. 27? 26. You'll be 27 next week, is that right?
1: Twenty-seven in
0: two days, right? You remember? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, like I mean, that's not long ago. It's only seven years ago, yeah. Um yep. what what was the sort of trajectory then? You're coming over that uh, injury, how quick was it that you were able to actually get into football?
1: Yeah, so or into professional football.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, sorry. Yeah,
1: yeah. So, um, I was training full time. So, I was playing with the the Perth Glory youth team at the time, training full time as a first team player, basically being treated as a first team player, but on youth team wages, which was the pennies. I would have earned more money in the shoe shop. Um, and it got to a stage where I was nearly turning twenty one, and I went uh to one of the bosses at the club and said, "Look, like what's going on in my in a position where I'm going to get offered a contract here or what. And they said, we're not sure yet. We need you to play another couple months with the youth team and then we'll make a decision. And in my head, I just thought, I I can't wait that long. I'm going to be 21. I need to make something happen. Um, And that's when the, the, I made the decision to leave that environment. Um, And I had uh, a really good uh, relationship with one of my old coaches who grew up playing in the SPL, played for Motherwall, Ross County, uh, St. Mirren um, and other clubs as well so he was one of my old coaches and I said look can you help me get get out and get overseas and he said yeah absolutely come and play for me for a month and then um, as soon as the window opens I'll get yourself over there. So played went to like a like dropped down a couple of levels just to keep ticking over while I was waiting for this opportunity um, and then all of a sudden it was a uh, Thursday morning, he called me and said, "I've got you a trial um, at St Mirren." The coach said, "If you're at training on Monday, he'll have a look at you." And this was Thursday morning in Australia. So I walked. <laughs> walked I went to work, quit my job, walked to the I don't know whatever it's called. I don't know. It's like equivalent of Tui or something over here. I walked in there. I said, "I need a I need a ticket to Glasgow." Jumped on the plane on Saturday morning. Sunday night or Sunday afternoon, landed in Glasgow. Um, and then, yeah, first thing Monday morning, I was in uh, in Paisley in training at St Mirren on a pre-season trial.
2: You, you, can't, you can't have been able to play at your best. You, the jet lag must be... Been-
1: <laughs> Are you allowed to swear on this podcast or not? Just go <laughs> for, for it. for it. Absolutely. Man, I, was, I was fucked, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I got yeah, I like, and that was the start of their pre-season as well. And obviously, I had just come off um, a year and a half in the gym, a full year of playing... Um, Every yeah. single day, I thought I was fit, I was strong, and I got over there, and it was the first couple of days of preseason, and they were just animals. They were, they were faster, they were stronger, they were bigger, and that really did wake me up. You know, I was I'm coming from that environment where I was one of the best, you know, maybe cruising a little bit because I could get through it, and then I came over here and was just chucked in the deep end, and it it woke me up, and I thought, you know, I need to switch on here. Trialed there for two weeks and didn't get offered anything. But during that time, I played a friendly game against Greenock Morton. uh, And the Morton gaffer found out that I hadn't been offered a contract. And uh, a friend that I'd made at St. Mirren said, look, I've got an agent. He can try and get your trial there. So I went to Morton the next day, trialed there for a week and a half. And then, yeah, the Morton gaffer pulled me in his office and he said, look, we'll offer you a six-month contract. Um, The money was rubbish. But again without uh, the family, the, the the Phillips family that was my my mum and dad's best mates when they're over here, they said just come and stay with us, just pay us fifty quid board and you can do whatever you want. So without them, I wouldn't have been able to do it. But I got offered this contract. It was a six month contract. It was my foot in the door and it was just something I needed and I signed it there and I said, Yeah, let's let's get it. So and then it, it all started from there basically.
0: It's special though, because I mean Greenock's not far from where you're from from. I was so, born in Greenock. Yeah.
1: I yeah. bet the stadium is not
0: far from where you're from, from. yeah, That's a few hundred, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, That's very cool. It, well, yeah, it is actually. Yeah, how, very how did, cool. How did that feel? How did that, forgetting it the was, fact that you finally got that contract. Like, you know, where it is. Yeah, I, and that was,
1: it was <laughs> 21 years later. Um, I, I left when I was a baby and I was back when I was 21, playing for the, the team that I was, you know, the, the place that I was born in. And they gave me my first opportunity in professional football. So it really was cool. And over the, the course of the couple of years, um, I did love it there, and I, I made quite a good connection with the the fans as well. So it was it was a special time.
0: It's special, man. It's special. And you mentioned the the guys that helped was the Phillips family. You said,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know it's... if you've met them before. <sighs> What's their you name? Might have. I think so. Maybe Shona and Stuart. Maybe Crossbarter. Oh, I'm Shona Stuart Phillips. Yeah, they they live um, yeah, by the Weemsby train station. So it was. Yeah. yeah. Like, see, I don't know Greenock at all.
0: Like at all. Um.
1: No. Nah. They yeah. live. They live about half an hour um, <laughs> further around the coast.
0: Right. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And yeah, I mean, you mentioned the money was rubbish, which I suppose is to be expected when you're starting out. But was it rubbish to the point that you would have needed another career if you hadn't got that assistance with accommodation, or was it? Was it? it, it, it was.
1: It was rubbish to the point that if I was out there genuinely by myself, I wouldn't have been able to sign it because I would not have been able to find a place to <laughs> stay, pay for my food, and get myself to training um but you know they gave me that that base to say just give us a bit of money we'll look after you um we we like having you around so go and go and try and chase that dream really so there's so many people that have helped me along this journey that I wouldn't be sat where I am right now without the the goodwill of those people so and I'm still really really close to them as well I speak to them all the time and yeah they're like a, a second set of parents to me now wouldn't be sat That's on fast. the r2 cast That's the <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't be sat with you boys at that level <laughs> um
0: there's there's a, there's a there's a time on that then isn't there there's you know I can this isn't a career at this point i need to move on or not move on maybe at least progress contract wise uh, so how long were you how long were you at Morton for
1: i was there for 2 years i signed a 6 month deal and during that 6 months the gaffer said there's an opportunity for you to go out and play on loan uh, in the league below at Queens Park. He said, "You can stay here if you want. Your game time will be limited because I've got boys in your position who I'm gonna who are currently better than you." And and that was fair enough. I knew exactly where I was in the pecking order. Um, and he said, "If you go out and do well for six months, come back. There might be another contract on the table for you." So again, that was another risk, but it was an opportunity to to play professional football in Europe, which is what I've always wanted to do um so at that time it was sort of like yeah I want to make this a full-time I want to make this my life but right now while I can play football overseas why not give it a go um and yeah that was a challenge to go out play that six months and, and try and earn myself another contract and and yeah I went to Queen's Park played every game uh in the Scottish League One which again was another wake-up call and I, I definitely did learn a lot. And as soon as I got back to Morton in January, I was offered another six-month deal and spent the rest of the time at Morton and got myself uh, straight in the team and, and played every game to the end of the season as well.
2: Did you Did you ever play against uh, Queen of the South?
1: Yeah, hated it there.
2: <laughs> we have Astro, to do
1: well. <laughs> bloody Astro to pitch was horrible. Um, yeah, and I played, played there four times in the space of two years, I think.
0: Yeah. Yeah, is I don't really no. actually no. It's probably a rubbish question. Was it was it um, Morton or Queen's Park you were playing for, when you scored
1: against Sunday United? Morton. So that was my uh, <laughs> that was my first game back oh, wow. um, after being on loan. I just signed a new contract, and it was a cup game, and it was my first game at left back as well. Um, and all the second game I played at the firmland in the cup game the week before and did really well and then kept my spot and, and played left back again which i'd never done um and yeah that's that's when i scored that goal that was my championship debut actually my scottish champ debut so i
0: get nominated for was it goal?
1: was a goal of the season yeah i lost to uh kieran who scored from about 60 yards in the top corner so it's fair enough but it was it was quite cool to be a nominee
0: yeah, you know, as a Celtic fan, which I'm pretty certain you are, uh, it's quite good to lose out to Keir Tierney wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Yeah, that is was... because it was him I let it slide. <laughs> I mean, even in truth, you're definitely the the better Scottish-born left back uh, above I mean, yeah, left-backs. there's
1: a there's a couple semi decent Scottish-born left backs at this stage, so I'm I'm trying to
0: only one in the Champions League though, but they've never
2: they've never <laughs> been the champion. Uh, Judo a uh, person. In yeah,
1: I'll probably be able to beat them all up, so that's all right.
2: <laughs> no one can take that away from me, mate. No. Nah. <laughs> um yeah, so
0: Morton, what was next after Morton?
1: Uh yeah, so I'd signed, I'd stayed the, the whole next season as well. So overall I spent two years at Morton and my contract was coming to an end, and I thought that I'd got to a stage where I can take the next step. Um and I was very close to joining Partick Thistle actually at the time who maybe not at the minute but at the time was looking like a a better place for me to go and play and then all of a sudden I got a call from the the gaffer at Carlisle Stephen Presley who played for Celtic and Rangers and um, Scotland as well I think and he said um, I want to I want to bring you down to England and for me in Australia England was always where I wanted to play Um, Scotland was a way in but Felt like England was the, the place to get to for a number of reasons. Uh, it was a, a foot in the door again into England and a chance to go and play League Two football. So I uh, went down, had a look at the place and, and compared to what I was used to, it was an absolute uh, step up and really exciting time for me as well. So I signed a one-year contract there.
0: You, you mentioned earlier, like playing in Europe was, was a thing. Is, is England the pinnacle of
1: that or is it like your Spains, Germany's, Italy's as well? <clears throat> um the only sort of coverage that we got access to growing up was the English Premier League. Yeah. So for me, that was obviously you know about Real Madrid, Barcelona, Juve, AC Milan, all that. But yeah, the biggest one for me was the Prem, playing Steven Gerrard, Frank Lampard, Paul Scholes, you know, those kind of players, those kind of teams. That was um where I always that's where my biggest dreams were basically was there in and the World Cup.
0: I mean, St- Stephen Presley is quite a big name, certainly as a as a as a Scottish fan who supported, uh, like watched the SPL. I was a Rangers fan, and to be honest, I more remember him as a Hearts player. Uh, yeah, yeah. But he was definitely part of the Scotland outfit, and he was always quite a big name. He was, I always thought he was a bit of a dafty, like, but he's always been a big name, you know. And to, I assume to be involved as a defender with someone like him was was quite a big opportunity.
1: I learned so much from him. Um he was he was absolutely incredible with me when when he brought me in. Um, looked after me really, really well, trusted me. That's something um I feel like I performed the absolute best in when I know I've got that that one hundred percent trust and I, I felt that with him. Um he backed me with, with anything I did on the pitch and yeah, I, I really enjoyed my time playing under him. He um he he lost his job in January of February, I think, of that first season that I got there. And then a new manager came in and and just didn't click. I, I was uh, left out of the team straight away, basically. Um, was kind of rescued by COVID, actually, because COVID shut the season down and I, I ended up going back to Australia for, for four months. So that was quite a weird end to my, my time at Carlisle, to be honest.
0: It, tell us about COVID, because, I mean, there was, there was a time when, when lockdown came and uh, the, the two... Examples where, and if, if my memory serves me correctly, Liverpool were twenty-eight points ahead at the top of the Premiership for the first time, with the chance of winning the Premiership. Never won it before, and I think Rangers were about twelve ahead at the top. From memory, um, both were quite notable differences. The other one I think was, oh, was it was it Spain that there was quite I oh know was it League One, but anyway, there was this basically global decision: do we stop football or do we play it? What? How was that affecting you guys? <clears throat>
1: Um, so it all happened quite quickly, really. Um, there was, I think with this, from the first sort of documented case or whatever, I think we played for, I don't know, however many weeks or months, but as soon as it started to get really serious, you know, I remember in the, in the lead up to the weekend, there was more and more publicity about it. We were due to travel on the Friday down South for a game on the Saturday. Um, and I was in Tesco's with two of the boys. We were buying like, I don't know, some food or snacks or whatever for the, for the, for that night. And we got a message in the group chat saying games off, um, been cancelled, everyone go home and, and wait for further instructions. And at that stage, everyone just started piling toilet rolls and pasta into the <laughs> into their trolley. And um yeah, and then from then on, sort of trained for another another week or so, and then everything got really started to to shut down basically. I went back up to Scotland for I was ended up there for a couple of days. I was staying with the missus because that's where she was. Um, still living at the time when I was at Carlisle um, and yeah made the decision to go home because it really started to to look serious Australia was shutting the borders I was really lucky to actually get home when I did um, and yeah everything just stopped basically um, there were people in denial that were saying now the season's going to happen the season's going to happen but I made the call to the um, director of football at Carlisle and credit to him he was incredible I said look I just want to go and be with my family and he said No worries, mate. I'm not going to stand in your way. So off you go. And then, yeah, I didn't really know what the next step was. My girlfriend was a nurse as well, so she was obviously in the front line during all that time. Must have been so scary for her. I was at home on a beach chilling. Uh, It it was quite.
0: He was, and he made sure to post all about it. It
1: was was, was all over. (laughs) It was quite normal. Um, Quite normal out there at the time. Australia shut everything down quite quickly, and sort of continued on. Um, and yeah, it was a really weird time, basically. It was four and a half months I spent out there not really knowing where I was going to end up.
0: Looking at that sort of retrospectively is almost quite scary because there was the chance they might not let you back and Carlisle at Right Trips were back next week and you're like, oh exactly. God.
1: um... Yeah, no. Yeah, we kept getting messages like, oh, the season might be starting, the season might be starting, the season might be starting. And the whole time I was texting this guy saying, there's no chance I'm back for that. Like, if I come back over, I'm going to have to quarantine for two weeks anyway. Like, it's not going to happen. And then, yeah, eventually I got to the stage where everything was cancelled. I knew the writing was on the wall from day one with a new manager as well. I wasn't going to get offered a new deal. So I wasn't really stressed about that. Um, I was still looking for my next opportunity but at the same time my, my contract was still running down with Carlisle so I was fortunate enough to still be getting um still be getting paid as well yeah
0: and uh next move was down to south of England and uh so was probably when I started to really sort of follow things up I, I'm probably still I'm pretty sure I'm still a top fan on Cambridge United, United's Facebook <laughs> uh I properly too, I mean. got, <laughs> mate, it's such a community in that club yeah. man it's yeah, so yeah, cool it's uh yeah, so tell us about that move. You you're obviously in a position that like you've just said. You're like, well, um, I was sort of part of the fabric for the first six months, going really well, and then suddenly there's this change, and not through any fault of yours or, or theirs, I assume. It just wasn't working out, um, and that, that took you to Cambridge. Was, was that a big move for you?
1: Um, it was just a, it was an exciting move for me at the time. It was uh, a concrete offer that I had. I was talking to clubs in Australia, um didn't know where i was gonna have to go might have to go to asia or whatever um and then yelled beside my agent sent me a message said look um got a couple of of clubs for you um but let's speak to cambridge i like i like the way they sound um and jumped on a, a call exactly like this wallace you're sat where the gaffer was sitting, and you're sat where the director of football was sitting and just had a conversation like this i was sat in bed uh, I don't even know If I had pants on To be fair I put a shirt on Because like, I knew That there was like, a flat, like um, Had a conversation just, just, with, um,
0: just before you say that Jack When <laughs> For those of you listening Jack messaged me About two days ago He was like eh, Is there a video And do I need To wear clothes And I was like Yes <laughs> No <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> sorry continue all, right. all you know is you're wearing a hoodie right
2: now
1: yes, I'll stand up if you need me to I've actually got pants on this time uh, I even put socks on for this too so I feel a bit fancy um, yeah my agent was on the call the Cambridge the gaffer and the director of football was on the call I had a chat for about 20 minutes um, got off the phone and I think an hour later the agent had a, a contract offer on the table And that was that. That was an opportunity for me to get back to the UK to see my missus. I'd been with her for four and a half months. And obviously I knew I wanted to be back over here. Um, And yeah, Cambridge was a big move for me, but it was also a big move for her because she was leaving home for the first time to move down the country and live with me. And um, yeah, that was a a start of another two year journey that I went on there.
0: I mean, we we spoke earlier about rugby salaries and stuff, and we're not getting into specifics. But was that one that you're like, right, okay, this is this is good now? I assume that's quite a change from Carlisle, or maybe they were on. Um,
1: no, that it was the same contract.
0: Right,
1: but from where I went from Morton to, even still, the wages weren't that good. It was a a big jump to between the two, and then Cambridge was the same. Um, went up a tiny bit for the second season, but even still, it, it's not like when people think of oh he's a professional footballer they they will think i've got a ferrari out the front i don't it's unless you're in the premier league it it's not like that um so yeah it was still something that I was able to place with the misses got a dog you know i had a i had a car so i was living but it wasn't something that when he retires he's never going to have to work another day in his life like it was it was always uh, going to need another career but I was I was still playing professional football and, and doing what I'd always dreamed of doing. So,
0: you had a pretty a pretty big season one year at Cambridge.
1: Uh, yeah, the next. second season. The first season, um, the club got promoted. I didn't play as many games as I thought I was going to play. I still contributed. I think I made thirty eight appearances, only twenty four starts though, um, because the the player in my position. Uh, dunked. He was my roommate what a guy he was. But he was having the season of his life and I just couldn't get in the team. It didn't matter how well I played, he was playing that well that what, like he didn't deserve to be dropped. So, that was another thing that I had to come to terms with. Um, but I played with Wes Houlihan. You know Wes, don't you? So, Wes would, only... you love him, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wes would only play Saturday games because he was just the Rolls-Royce kind of player. You know, He was 39 at the time. He couldn't really back up Saturday, Tuesdays. So I was buzzing every time a Tuesday night game rolled around because it meant that I actually got to go and play in the Wes Houlihan position just to keep it warm for him until he came back on the Saturday. So that's where I made a lot of my starts there on um, Tuesdays. But that was a special season. Everyone expected us to get relegated and we, uh, we managed to get promotion. So it was, that was really cool. What league was that into? That was into League One, into the league I'm in now.
0: So that, that's, <clears throat> a, that's an interesting... it's slightly different. I know you're in it now, but it's slightly different. You sort of went from league two. And I remember we were sat in our garden one day and you were saying like, we've got a shot at getting into championship, which is quite commonly regarded as the most competitive league in the world. It's the second league in England, but um, that must've been cool. Having come from, you know, you're born in Britain, you spent your whole life in Australia, but you've always watched in England. Um, That must've been quite like, oh,
1: this is fun. This is next.
0: This is a major challenge.
1: Yeah it was it was really exciting um just in the terms if if you have a good season in league 1 you don't know what's going to happen um and thankfully i managed to personally have a really really good season in league 1 um the club's ambitions that season was obviously not to get promoted it was just stay in the league just let's establish ourselves as a, a league 1 club now um but yeah personally i had a really really good um good season and and it helped me uh get this 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 quite a, a big move to Bolton so I'm I'm really grateful for that
0: yeah and I've got one question before Bolton it's not actually about you um there's one of the men in that Cambridge team certainly from the Facebook team eh, Facebook page became quite a cult hero and he eh, found his way into Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney's team
1: yeah miles yeah yeah how's how's he getting on He's living a dream, mate. Honestly, yeah, he's, uh, he is best nature with Ryan. He's like Facetimes Ryan Reynolds and that. He's absolutely chilling. He um he was one of the big reasons how we got promoted out of League Two. He he scored a record number of goals. He's just gone to Wrexham again, scored a record number of goals, and yeah, he's he's on Ryan Reynolds' Instagram story every three minutes. So he's I think he's enjoying himself. Yeah, yeah,
2: screw Ryan Reynolds, man. He's working along with Ben Foster, like. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Here, you'll, you'll
2: be playing against them the year after next anyway when they get straight <laughs> from <laughs> It was actually pretty exciting this year. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm so invested year. in it. Yeah. Like, it's mad.
0: Have
2: you watched the show, like the Welcome to Race? Yeah, I it's so been, cool. Oh, it's so cool. Yeah, I just love cool. Ryan Reynolds. Oh, like, I love Ryan Reynolds before Rexham, but this is just... Yeah, no, nah,
1: I'd, I'd be all over him as well if I was at that. Uh, Moles is, is definitely living the dream. Um, he's basically at the stage now where in the summer he'd be like, call them up and say, I'm coming to LA. Like, what can I can do? And there's every chance Ryan miles just says, come and stay at my house, man. Like, I'm sure they're at that that level together.
0: That so cool. is amazing.
1: That's so, yeah. <laughs> Um. So, yeah, when you think of the Premiership, not
0: in the last maybe 10 years, but one of the teams after your top four, your, maybe one of the teams after your top six or seven that do spring to mind is Bolton. You know, the times of JJ Acoccia and... Hero uh, and so on and so forth, like um, big club in English history, big club. Uh, so when they came calling, what what was what was that notification like?
1: Yeah, it was um, it, it was really weird to be honest. Um, Bolton should not have been in the league in League Two at the same time as me, and then they sh- they shouldn't be in League One now. But we're in a rebuild phase at the minute after nearly losing the club with financial stuff. Um, but during that sort of leading up to that summer period um at my end of at the end of Carlisle, I had some really, really exciting um interest and opportunities. Um, but yeah, Bolton came through with the concrete offer and it's just such a massive club. And as soon as the concrete offer came through, we all went straight to the uh straight to the club, even took the dog, stayed in the club hotel and I went and signed the papers and, and did the signing stuff. So um, it was uh, a little bit of um, sort of disbelief moment as well for considering how far I'd come and, and the, the journey that I had to, to get into a position now where I'm at a, a club as big as this.
0: It's quite a... You started late. We didn't
1: start late, but you... you got, uh, I know what if, you mean. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. It and makes just, me think sometimes where I would have been if I had got that first pro at 17 because... When I tore my ACL training with Perth Glory, they had the contract ready to offer me, but then I tore my ACL and, and it went. So I, I don't even know if I... I might not have got this far if it happened to that. I don't, I don't really know.
2: Yeah. It's weird looking at the butterfly effect. I it? know, isn't it? It's like everything happens for a reason, I suppose. And that's maybe yeah. the player you are today. Like, you maybe wouldn't have been as resilient to what you've had to go through. Exactly. If you didn't go through it. But um, so how, how is the season going
1: uh, right now for Bolton? Um, it's been a really, I think, a positive season. Um, it's, it's an improvement on what the club did last year. Last year, the club finished ninth. Um, and just yesterday, we confirmed our spot in the, in the playoffs. Um, so, you know, anything can happen in the playoffs. We've got a home semi and an away semi, I think, against Barnsley. Winner of that goes to Wembley, and the winner of Wembley goes to the championship. So it's, it's, it's super exciting at the minute to, to be a player and a fan, I guess, yeah.
0: Very cool, yeah. Two massive things in there. Playing at Wembley, that's got to be up there on footballers' yeah, thing. That's
1: right. got to be cool. Yeah. Uh, I'm guessing you haven't done that already. So, we, um, Ooh, the club won the Papa team, John's man. Trophy. Yeah. The club won the Papa John's Trophy early on in the season. Um, playing at Wembley for a professional footballer is something that uh, most players go through their career without getting an opportunity to. Um, and the club at the minute has a second opportunity in the one season to go and play there. I missed out the first time through the injury, and I'm getting kind of close to coming back now, and I'm I'm desperate to be involved in that second game because you can't miss out on Wembley twice in one season. So even if I'm on one leg, I'll be saying I'm fine just to get just to get out there. Bring me on the last minute. I don't <laughs> care. It from yeah.
0: Uh, I was a bit. I was a bit of an arse. In fairness to Jack, because he posted about about this and he'd said like he wasn't, he wasn't on the pitch. And, and what I could have said is been a nice guy and been like, oh, it sucks. Couldn't have done it. It's still really cool. But all I actually picked him up on was he spelt Wembley wrong in the post, <laughs> 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 uh, That's which you're... such a youth <laughs> <expert>. <laughs> <laughs> It was just in spite of sheer jealousy on my <laughs> behalf but it's fine. It's fine. Um, yeah, and then the Championship, as I was saying earlier, you know, arguably the most competitive league in the world, and, and, and a lot of people prefer watching it than the Premier League. Um, that's quite an exciting prospect. You're obviously currently at the time recording, arguably two games away from that. Um, by the time this comes out, we'll probably know. But uh, yeah, what, what, what's that? What goes through your head as a player thinking next year I might be a Championship player?
1: Um, it's again, it's a little bit disbelief moment because there was such a, a jump in terms of clubs, facilities and infrastructure and the size of, of clubs in the championship compared to clubs in league one that I'm in now and where I've been in league two. Um, you, you look at the top half of the championship and a lot of those clubs are premier league teams, um, with a lot of players that are probably on, close to premier league wages so it it's it's such a exciting challenge to be a part of as a player and so many benefits come with being involved in playing in a championship team every single week namely for me as i'm i'm desperate to play for my country and playing in that league will give me such a good opportunity to to earn a call up um amongst other things as well so yeah it's it's definitely exciting um a bit nerve-wracking as well so just uh, got that nervous energy waiting for the playoffs to roll around now. Oh, on your Sorry.
2: So there's, there's so many games in like the championship and uh, League One as well. Like, so, like it's pretty much every week. It's a Saturday and a Tuesday, you said. How, yeah. how, how does that week actually kind of pan out? Like, When do you, when do you get training in if you're like playing twice a week and you won't want to be training hard the day before?
1: Yeah, so um, personally, I I love Saturday, Tuesday weeks because you just find yourself in that rhythm. Um, If you can get your your body into that rhythm, it's incredible, just constant games. And I had that rhythm at the start of the season before I I had this injury. Um, Training will look, Monday will be a recovery session. Um, Occasional travel if we're really far away on a Tuesday, but definitely we'll be out on the grass, just blowing the cobwebs out. Tuesday will be a game. Wednesday will be off. Thursday will be probably our heaviest session. But if we've just played Tuesday, there's not really much we can do again. Friday, again, will just be uh, getting the legs moving and focusing on what we're going to do the next day. Again, Friday, we might be traveling away to stay in a hotel. Saturday game, Sunday off. So when you're playing Saturday, Tuesdays, the, the main focus is just to make sure that you're in the best condition possible for those games rather than trying to increase anything other than just a little bit of tactical knowledge or a tiny bit of match sharpness.
0: That's a pretty good point. I mean, when yeah. you're at Carlisle in Cambridge, you'd have been seeing some
1: pretty big bus journeys. Yeah. Well, we've Carlisle did. was ridiculous, mate. Every single away game we had, we were in a hotel the night before. Yeah.
0: yeah. Bolton's uh, sort of more great.
1: central, though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. yeah. Um, but even still with the... the um, the financial abilities that this club has, they like to take us away and put us in a hotel the night before just to minimise game day travel, basically. So even still, that most of the weeks, I think we've played 24, 23 away games. I think 17 we were in a hotel the night before. So,
0: yeah. You said that, like, making the jump to Championship, your club's going to have a better facility. I assume... Like I'm just, I've actually just got the league table up at the minute. Someone like a Plymouth or Barnsley, that probably is the case. But someone like Bolton are, are quite established. I know they went through a tough patch, but I assume your
1: facilities are still pretty state of the art. The stadium is incredible. Um, I think they're planning on maybe uh, refurbing a little bit of the training training facilities, but the pictures that we have access to are really, really good um the stadium is is incredible it's probably the best place to play football i think in in the league um but yeah you but then you look probably the top seven or eight teams in our league at the minute that has access to that whereas every single team bar one or two in the championship will have something similar so it's it's just another step up to to that kind of level
0: you said a massive goal was playing for your
1: country which country Anyone that wants me at this stage, no, no. no, calls. <laughs> uh, no I'm uh, I'm Australian for yeah, me, yeah. It's, it's representing Australia.
2: So, you're saying Scotland give you the call, or you're not going there. <laughs>
1: uh, it, I think they'd be struggling if Robertson Tierney, Greg Taylor, and whoever else is struggling if they come and call into me. So, Scotland want me, I mean, sure, but um, certainly I, I Probably feel more Australian than anything.
0: What's the current setup in Australian national football? Um,
1: in terms of what,
0: like, is it in a good place or you know? I'm trying yeah, to. Yeah, they had
1: a really good World Cup. Really, really good World Cup.
0: Yeah,
1: um, which making it harder for me to break <laughs> into that team because the players in my position have done really, really well. Um, so that's just given another challenge to me to go to the next level and show that i'm just as good and can compete and 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 play in in that environment
0: i'm trying to see if i the only players that are jumping out to me is aaron moy good goodwin good
1: yeah Craig goodwin yeah
2: yeah do, do you play with many uh australians in your league
1: um there's a couple that play for Ipswich. Um one of them I actually went to primary school with. I know him really, really well. He's just been promoted to the championship actually, so I'm really happy for him. Um and then a boy Massimo Luongo is also there at Ipswich. He's also going to the championship. Um there's an Australian there's a, one of the boys that I play with in Bolton actually was born in Australia too. Um, really? but he he grew up in Wales, so he was sort of opposite to me. He was born there, came over here, I was born here went over there um so there's a couple dotted about um but a lot of the players in the international team at the minute are playing uh in other countries yeah is that cameron burgess by any chance it is me yeah cam was in the year above me at school that's class we played the same school team me and cam yeah very cool
0: i do remember you saying and i'm trying to actually gauge what stage this was at because i think he was managing cambridge when you were at Carlisle, did you play Cambridge and Harry Kuehl was their manager? Have I got that right? Or no,
1: he you? was at Crawley.
0: Crawley, that's what it was. He was at
1: Crawley, yeah. And uh, we played Crawley away when... Or Crawley, we played Crawley when Wes wasn't playing. So I got to play left midfield right in front of Harry Kuehl. And that was that was quite cool to me as well because obviously he was one of the greats in that position. Um Obviously, I'm not exactly a left midfielder, so I didn't get to show exactly what I could do, but it, it was really cool to be able to play that position right in front of him as well. Because he was like the first name that I'd heard of when I went to Australia. It was him and Tim Cahill.
0: Yeah, yeah. and my team at that stage, Mark Viduka as well, is that, you know?
1: Yeah, that- yeah. no, the, the, team, the Australian team, when I first got to Australia, was the golden generation. They, every single player was a top, top, top player.
0: I've actually just realised that, is there a massive tie with Celtic? Because those three players all played for Celtic and Ange Postacoglu
1: is obviously. They're, they're, honestly, I don't know how that came about. Um, Aaron Moy as well. Aaron Moy, yeah, there as well. Yeah, all four of them. He was there with him. Uh, he's, he's the coach there as well. So um, that's really cool as well that Ange, is, Ange and Harry are doing that at Celtic. It's, it's put Australia and Australian coaching on the map a, a lot more than what it was and... Um, I think Andrews is is good enough to go and manage in the Premier League as well at one of the big clubs.
0: Oh, brilliant! And uh, there's there's one thing we've sort of went through your full career here there, Chad. It's quite interesting. I've obviously spoke to you about it here and there, but sort of to look at it chronologically is quite fun. But um, there's one thing that we didn't mention uh, that I assume will be difficult to work with, but you obviously manage fine in that you're diabetic. How, how have you worked with that?
1: Uh, yeah, I'm type one diabetic. I was diagnosed when I was 12 or 13. Um, so it's something that that was at quite a poignant time in a lot of people's lives as well. You're just starting high school, going through all the hormones, trying to figure everything out. And then all of a sudden you're in hospital with a, a brand new uh, medical condition. Um, I handled it quite well. It doesn't stop me doing what I want to do. Um, the boys find it quite interesting at training. i the butt of the jokes quite a lot of time, but it comes from a good a good place rather than a, a malicious place um and yeah it's it's just an extra thing I have to think about uh it gets frustrating definitely at times some days I'm sick of it, and I just don't want to deal with it uh but my missus is really good at just helping cheer me up and and pat me on the back but yeah it's it's not something that I can allow to get in the way of of doing this basically
2: yeah what is it you have to do that's like? different when you're playing football to kind of keep on top of it?
1: Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm checking my sugar levels constantly. Need to keep my sugar levels in a certain range. Otherwise, I'll go too low, which is not good because my football will go out the window. Or if I go too high, I fatigue a lot quicker than normal. So I need to keep really close control on my levels. Um, and I've over the years, I've basically found the routine that works for me on game day. Um, but yeah, it's just making sure that I'm within that range um to perform at the highest level possible and you can do as much of the same stuff as you want but some days you have it just doesn't want to cooperate and that's when it can get um, a bit frustrating
0: yeah Yeah, it's quite a
2: challenge yeah i know There was a boy i just played football with like when i played when i was young and he was like when we were like 10 and his dad had to just watch every game and he just had to like force chocolate down him like halfway through the game just to just keep him on top because he just wouldn't do it if he was just himself. He'd just yeah. friggin- do it.
1: It's just you want halfway through a game of football a bottle of chocolate in it. <laughs> As for some reason yeah, nah, it's it's for having it, but <laughs> not what I want. No, nah, the um my physio is really, really good and he's always got a bottle of Lucasaid in in his little uh, physio bag. So if for whatever reason I end up on the floor in a game, I tell him, just bring that on because there's a fair chance I'm just making something up to get some sugar in me, so I can carry on. That's quite interesting. Doesn't happen often, but it's happened a couple of times I've needed to have a uh, sugar drink again.
0: So, if if you're wanting to watch Bolton, if you're wanting to watch League One,
1: what's the easiest way? Or is that quite difficult? Ah, uh, yeah. Um, the stadium's big. If you're close, come and get oh, a ticket. Yeah. Come, on, come and watch. Um, But in terms of coverage, uh, there's a thing called iFollow which you could sign up for and you can pay, I think it's a tenner to watch the game. The coverage is quite good. Um, We're on Sky every now and again because the club's got quite a bit of a profile. So yeah, either say come live or sign up to the iFollow account and um, buy a, a match pass, which I think, yeah, 10 quid. The playoffs will be on Sky, are they? I would think so, but they've also got the championship playoffs at the similar time, and they'd probably pull rank over over ours. But I, I assume we'll be on Sky at some point. Definitely the, the playoff final would be.
0: Yeah, man, it's been a pleasure. It's, a, it's always quite fun. I always really enjoy when I have a chat with someone that I know, because you don't go into depths of stuff, do you? You don't when you're normally chatting to folk, but... At the start, we asked you what your random talent was. And unfortunately, you didn't flap your earpods your ears <laughs> by doing some kind of ear dance. But uh, the the reason that question was there was, I guess I was the guest on the 100th episode. Ed had interviewed me and uh, I had asked for the next guest, what, what is your random talent? But we do have two questions. I'll, I'll do one and Ed can do one. And the first one is, and I said it was sort of putting you on the spot. If you had a question for the next guest, what would it be?
1: Um, bear in mind, you don't have a clue what they do. If there was a biopic about your life, who would play it? Oh my god, that's good, that's fantastic. <laughs>
2: yeah. Do you want to answer the question for yourself? Yeah,
1: um, see, when I was younger, a girl told me I looked like Channing Tatum, and that stayed with me my whole life, Just so I would love to. Yeah, someone else also said, like. Kind of like Heath Ledger, but obviously that's not going to happen now um i would I would love it if uh yeah like Channing Tatum or something like that played me, but to be fair, Ryan Reynolds has got a bit of a ginger beard as well, so he might he might feel like jumping in
0: I'm just kind Absolutely. of a bit offended that you get Channing Tatum. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan Reynolds
1: that was when I was younger a bit more handsome. I'm a bit scruffy now man I broke my nose since then as well so. <laughs> I don't care mate you just got to imitate my broken nose right
0: two, two months ago I got called Luke Combs without the singing ability <laughs> <laughs> you got a bit more hands Luke Combs
1: <laughs> yeah. I would like to think I'm a bit
0: less nice something else but apparently not man apparently I'm just a bloody yeah. old I
1: can yeah. and- Luke Combs is a cool guy man Cool I'm gonna see him actually. I'm gonna I'm gonna see his concert when he comes over. Yeah, yeah.
0: Cool. Well you can see him when you come over. I'll up. send
1: you a picture, mate.
0: <laughs> well, it's just gonna be my profile picture, is it? it, it yeah, just... it might be a screenshot of your picture. Yeah, I don't know. Ed,
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, do you want to do the other um, question? Yeah, so um the other question is where do you see yourself in five years?
1: Um I see myself in five years playing football in country i don't think i'll be playing in the uk in five years i'll either be, i think i would love to either be playing at home or in japan korea thailand somewhere like that i would really like to go and play football in a different culture i would love that why at home obviously i would love to play at home in front of friends and family um Coming up, for me, the closest holiday destination was Asia rather than Europe. So I love um, parts of Asian culture. I love traveling to Asia. Um, Japan's on my bucket list. Um, I'm a bit of a geek. I like watching anime. I like Dragon Ball Z, all that kind of stuff. So I feel like I would enjoy um, having constant access to that kind of environment. Plus the fact that the football standard is really, really high in Japan and South Korea. And I just think it would be something cool to say that I've lived in, and played in, uh, in that part of the world as well.
0: Yeah, the, the cool thing with Japan is, is um, it obviously wouldn't be
1: these two players. But I, I love used... Wagamamas as well. So. I was there a... last
0: night, man. I've never been a date. Or I was there yesterday days. as well.
1: It's <laughs> <laughs> so good. What did you have? Oh, Katsu Curry every time. Katsu Curry and I uh, had some gyoza yesterday as well. Such a basic bitch, nice. man. Yeah, but chicken and rice, man. I'm still trying to slim down a bit after having a really good injury time. So I'm trying to come down a bit. My arm's bigger than his upper body. Like. <laughs> <laughs> just, you're sitting here in good shape. He's in good shape. I'm just like the fucking ball at the side of the table. Like, hey, oh, man. man, you're moving in the right way. You lost a lot of weight last couple of years as well, man. So Yeah, that's, yeah, exactly. that's, that's the main thing. Well, hey. yeah,
0: do you know you had to make a good point? I mean, the thing I was going to say about Japan is you've seen players like arguably, arguably the best midfielder in modern history in any Estor playing out there, Fernando Torres. You know, people go out there to finish their careers. You might be, you might find yourself out there playing with some pretty big names. But um, uh, oh, why was I saying this? Yeah, the five years question is good. We we asked that on the normal, the sort of food and farm in our two casts as well, but. I kind of want to ask you, where do you see yourself in 20 years? Because what's after football?
1: That's a good question. And that's something that I still haven't figured out. And that's yeah. something that I'm trying to figure out. I've always imagined myself living at home in Australia when I finish. Obviously, I have a girlfriend that was born in Glasgow and has lived in Glasgow a whole life and has her family in Glasgow. So there is still something that I don't really know where I could end up. Um, I would love to live in Australia. I don't know what I'm going to do for work. I'm very drawn towards working with animals. I'm quite interested in studying like a vet nursing degree or an animal science degree or something. I really think working in a zoo or something like that would be quite awesome. Um, But like I said, I haven't figured it out and I'm still trying to figure out what I want to do when football finishes. Because I don't think that I want to stay in the football environment full-time when I'm done. You guessed that, vape. It's like playing is all that matters. Yeah. Playing is the only thing I've ever wanted to do. Yeah. Do you have, do you, do you have folk like in the club
2: that can help you with like future proofing?
1: Uh, the PFA, the Professional Football Association does. So um, The not so much the club. I'm sure there is people in the club who could help me. I had someone at Cambridge who was like helping me with, with yeah. that kind of stuff, but, uh, the PFA help with education grants um, and help with, obviously, when you're at uni, most of the time you've got pracs and placements and all that. Obviously quite difficult if you're meant to be at Exeter away on a Tuesday night, but you're supposed to be in some other place so they can help with all that stuff. So there is definitely uh, pathways and avenues to explore um, to to help with that side of things for life after football because that in recent years especially has become such a major development um a lot of footballers when they're finished uh can end up in quite dark places so it's definitely something they're trying to work on to help uh, nullify it's
2: like a documented yeah. problem like yeah you know you, it's you like do, all yeah. professional sport. Yeah. like just it's all I know for like since we're 16 and until they're 30 on yeah. then
1: yeah exactly
2: you, do you? Uh, this is a random question, Jack. But uh, do you
0: watch much YouTube? You said about anime, and I'm going to ask a, sp- a specific channel.
1: I'm always uh, on YouTube, man. Do You watch HITC Sevens? No, I don't. You would love it, mate.
0: I live off it. It's just a guy from Middle England. In fairness, probably not far from where you are. That is just a proper nerd for football. And like when you were talking about Asian football, there, like I watched. A, I think it was a 34 minute documentary on Indonesian football a few weeks ago,
1: and oh man. I'm it. going to Indonesia in the summer, man. I might take my boots over.
0: It's qu- Well, do you know, there's mega money in it, but it's quite a lethal place to play football. It's quite a dangerous yeah. place.
1: It's- uh, no football uh, pros, definitely pros and cons to play yeah. football over there.
0: Yeah. But no, um, yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure, mate. Appreciate your time. Um, That's all right. No, it's, it's been good fun. It's good to hear the story. Uh, Ed, I hope you've enjoyed doing your first sort of full... Yeah, I, I really stuff. enjoyed it. It's yeah. been really good. It's a good episode to start on, isn't it? Yeah. Pro footballer. Yeah, definitely. Um, for those of you listening, you're probably coming on to hear about someone talking about combines and milk and cows, and suddenly we're talking about professional footballers and thinking, what the hell's happening? Um, this is the second series that started Our <laughs> uh, 2 in, so we're trying different things. In about an hour, Ed and I are actually going to be filming another episode with a guy who's been to sixty countries, well, fifty-nine countries, and his partner's been to twenty-eight. So, and I think they're the same age as like you and I, Jack. They're about twenty-six. Jeez, years. yeah, man, they've done a few. So wow. Have you ever played any games out of the country that you're based in? Yeah. Like, so, like with the team. So, yeah. So, what, give us examples of that.
1: So, so not not with um, not with a professional team, but when I was with the youth national team, um, played. In Laos, played in Saudi Arabia, played the World Cup qualifiers in Iran, went to Bolivia for a training camp, played games in Bolivia, played in Chile, uh, played in Portugal, out on the Holland trip. Um, but yeah, those are the countries I've visited with football. Oh yeah.
0: I just sprung to mind there when I was saying that. Played Why? in
1: Singapore. Singapore's cool.
0: That's class. I've got one more question before we stop recording. Nicest stadium you've ever played in?
1: <clears throat> uh, Parkhead. He's got to say it, doesn't he? He's such a wee fair fair enough, fan. Yeah. <laughs> I, would have, I would have said Wembley, but I just got to sit and watch everyone run around in there and have fun. To be fair, Bolton's up there. Bolton's incredible. Yeah, I you were say- um <laughs> Stadium of Light is incredible but for me as a celtic fan growing up to play against celtic um, at parkhead it was it was really cool
2: you've
0: you've not played at anfield have you you're a big liverpool fan aren't you
1: not played at anfield i'm trying to go to the game on uh, on wednesday actually that's yeah. a little uh, little birthday present so I'm, I'm trying to go on wednesday
0: no excellent here yeah, mate thank you very much for coming on for those of you listening i don't know who the next guest is because <laughs> We just haven't got the stage of uh, recording, but you can get used to what will be eight episodes a month if you're just interested in food and farming. It's still going to be six a month if you're interested in hearing stories about random people that are nothing to do with farming. That is literally the only rule. Um,
1: I've been on your farm. I liked it, to be fair. I'm not going
0: to class you as a farmer yet, mate. I
1: fed fed the cow, man, and the little sick. (laughs) man.
0: All right, okay, maybe we should make this an R2 cast. That counts the cats. the dogs. Um I actually I do know I do know a zookeeper. Can I maybe hit you up. Uh, but uh no. Thank you all for listening.
1: Um and we'll see you for R2cast 104, Jack. Thank you very much for coming on. Cheers, Jack. Thank you for having me, guys. Love it.